This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to cutting through all the confusing marketing BS so you can actually understand how to take action and change your business today. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about the four components of what it takes to build a strong brand character. And the reason we're going to tackle this today is because this is another one that now more than ever is critical to brand success, given the limited in-person interactions that we're still experiencing, and also the necessary ability to come across authentically and personably online within today's digital channels. And if that's not enough, It really needs to be in a consistent manner that allows your audience to connect with you across every single touch point of your brand. And as we often do, we're going to first provide you with the definition of brand character in order to ground today's conversations or make sure we're all talking the same thing. So a brand character is the set of human attributes associated with a brand that gives it a unique personality. And it's this personality that consumers start attributing to you and becomes why consumers would want to choose you. Yes. So with that definition, we're going to get into the four guidelines for a strong brand character. Number one, your positioning and your brand character are not the same thing. So this is something that Ann and I experience often with our clients. We'll ask them, what's your brand character? And what they give back is the brand's positioning or their brand story is the answer. And we just want to clarify this point here because, like I said, it happens so often. A brand positioning is the why of your existence. Your brand character is how your brand exists in the marketplace and in the hearts and minds of consumers. And where people often get caught up beyond the positioning is with the brand story. And so they say, well, we humanized it with our brand story. And and that's great. And that's something you definitely need. Mm -hmm. You want to change your positioning to an outward facing brand story. And we've talked about this in previous episodes to make sure that you're providing consumer friendly language so people know why they would want you. But that is still communicating your why. It is not the way that your brand is communicating in that highly, highly personal, people-oriented, human way that Anne outlined in the beginning. So think about your brand character as the humanization of your brand. It should dimensionalize your brand in a way that allows people to feel the experience of interacting with you in a very holistic manner. All right. So let me, I'll, I'll try to give an example here. Yes, um, please do. So... Athleta, brand we've talked about before, a brand I really appreciate, and they are doing a fabulous job of really articulating and differentiating these two things. So Athleta clearly is in their positioning, empowering women to be unstoppable. That's yes. their positioning, right? Yep. Um, but they do it with a fierceness, with a sassy attitude, with an inner, like demonstrating inner and outer strength. Those are more of the brand characteristics. So it's like you said, the why, right, is the positioning, but it's the how and in, in, in the way that they show up and the way that you feel as a, uh, as a result is what the brand character represents. Is that correct to say? Yeah, and I think that's a fantastic example. Um, obviously, we've talked about it before, but I think Anne provides really good clarity of, again, what is their position versus how do they bring that to life in their character? And another way people describe character is personality. So we may use that fairly interchangeably here, but just know that those are the same things. And actually, that leads Anne nicely into number two. 
So number two is your brand character should be described the same way you would describe a person. And like I said, Anne, take this one. Yeah, so... It, it really articulates what we were just talking about. So when you describe a person, for example, you can describe them a couple of different ways. So a lot of times in a consumer context, we'll describe a consumer according to their demographics, like they are a woman, they're 40 to 50 years old, they have a household income of this. And just like we talked to you um, about your consumer definition, that is not sufficient in order to describe a consumer. You also have to actually talk about their psychographics. Like what kind of person are they? Are they funny? Are they um, are they considerate? Are they um, aspirational? Like what are those like characteristics that describe your consumer in the context of where your brand is going to um, play. It's the same thing for your brand. When you talk about your brand having a personality, it's not good enough just to talk about your brand and what it does. That's what a lot of people do. My, you know, my brand is a laundry detergent or my brand is athletic apparel. You need to talk about the spirit behind the brand and how you want your brand to show up and what you want people to feel as a result of actually engaging with your brand. So it helps when you talk about your brand to talk about like what kind of spirit or what kind of personality you want your brand to have. And then that becomes the way that people relate to it. And with this, it starts becoming the differentiating factor of why people would choose you. Yeah, exactly. And and the piece I always like to talk about here is think about your very best friend and how you might describe them. And when we talk about it that way, I mean, I think it becomes crystallized in people's minds that you wouldn't say first, oh, my best friend's my best friend because she's a teacher and she has three mm-hmm. kids and, you know, she likes to go to volleyball games. That that has no relevance to why that person is your best friend, right? So when you describe your best friend, you describe things like, oh my gosh, we've been friends for so many years and she's so loyal as a friend and I appreciate that she's so much more outgoing than I am and she's always the life of the party and she likes to have a good time and you know she's a lot more optimistic in nature than some of our other friends and so I just gravitate to her, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... That gives you a sense of, you know, the how that person comes to life. So they very well may be positioned as a teacher and a mom and all these different things, but that's not a way to describe them as a human being. And I have to say that if you described your best friend that way, one, I would question whether they're actually your best friend. And two, I would say they'd probably be pretty pissed off at you if they heard that description. So just another reference to it's really important to describe them as a person with human characteristics. Is that why reason why you gravitate to me is because I'm a genius? Oh, jeez, that still is pretty functional. That's that's not really a brand character. <laughs> I'll trait. take it. Oh, whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> We're never gonna lose that one. Nope. All right, let's move on to number three. Your brand character must be multidimensional. So I touched on this a little bit with the previous point and the characteristics that I just outlined, you know, the different way you would describe a human being versus what someone does with their life or the roles that they play. But I think it's really important to put a very fine point on this and talk about it as multidimensional. So think about people, right? They're complicated. Yes, they play different roles in different situations, but their personality as a result shows up differently depending on what role they're in or if they're having a good or bad day or, you know, to different degrees and in different forms depending on the day, the year, the month, you know, what they're doing. And a brand really has to be the same. So in the intro, we talked about 
not being able to be in person as much right now, at least. And then also just we've talked many times before about the sheer amount of channels that exist from a digital perspective and just kind of across the board. All of this exacerbates a brand's need to be multidimensional. You have to be able to put the right message out there in the right way at the right time to meet your consumer where they are in a way that they would know what to expect of you. And another point we want to make here is also to kind of hold yourself back a little bit and not go too far with your brand character. So as we like to do, we like to set up kind of rules of thumb or things that you can take away and immediately put into action. So here we would say, strive for a about four brand characteristics. Three to five is fine. Some people are more, you know, direct. Some people are a little like, I need some flexibility. So, but four is really kind of that magic number. And the way to think about it is, When you think about describing your best friend, right, you give a handful of characteristics. You don't sit there and think about every single way your best friend has shown up in her entire life. You give the ones that come top of mind. And I would say that we as people do the same things about ourselves, quite frankly. So think about the way that I have described myself in the past, right? I talk about being direct. I talk about being outgoing. I talk about being enthusiastic. And I talk about being really honest. And that those are things that that I've heard other people describe me as, and also just things that I know about myself. I mean, before we got on here today, I was telling Anne how my five-year-old can lie, and I can't, and I don't understand where that comes from. So, <laughs> you know, those are just some ways to think about it. And beyond that, I mean, of course, there are other things that do come to light, again, depending on what phase you are in life or what role you're playing. I mean, there are very surely secondary um, characteristics to your personality, but what are those ones that you really feel like are the pillars of how you want to communicate as a brand? And so, and also make sure that they're not repetitive of each other. This is another mistake that I feel like can be made is in an attempt to be multidimensional, people just pick words that are exactly the same. So they might say, I'm direct and I'm straightforward and I tell it like it is that's all the same thing, right? That's one thing. That's not multiple things. And so just think about it in terms, again, of that four or three to five if you must, and then really making sure that you pull them apart and that they're different enough from each other that, again, you can be multidimensional and have some flexibility in how you come to life across channels and across messaging. And I think it's important to point out something that you said at the very beginning about consistency, Mm -hmm. because it's not necessarily different. You shouldn't show up differently across channels. Mm -mm. Um, You need, you can flex, like you said, and you can dial up or down depending on what channel you're on or depending on the context. But it's really important that your characteristics are such that you feel like you can live that no matter where you show up because that consistency is going to be key. Yeah, absolutely. And Anne just set herself up for the next one, which is... Number four, your brand character must be consistently authentic. So there you go. You already started it. Oh, yay. So again, such a genius. All right. (laughs) Anyway, so um, yeah, and and I think what April really pointed out is it can be tricky, right, to balance the multidimensional nature of your brand. But it is very, very important to be consistent because that's how 
people build trust with you. That's how they start to understand who you are, how they're going to relate to you, like I said before, and whether or not they're going to be able to uh, trust you enough to make you a brand that becomes part of their life, okay? So how you show up in social should be consistent with how your website looks. It Mm -hmm. should be consistent with what your in-store looks. All this stuff should be consistent. Now, you may have a, a slightly different vibe in each one of those channels, but it should all still feel like you. And some of the mistakes that people make is like, they, they want to play in certain ways according to the channel and not according to the brand. So sometimes people will show up in Twitter and they want to be really pithy and they want to be <laughs> sound really smart. Your favorite. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not your, your brand. And I'm not saying like, you know, your brand is stupid by contrast. I'm just saying like there is a way of showing up that like is, uh, is indicative of, of who you are. And if that's not who you are, then you shouldn't be trying to play like that on the channel. Don't let the channel dictate your character. Your character should come first. Then you flex your character to play well on the channels. So be very, very careful about that. And if you're not quite sure and you want to kind of see how it stretches a little bit, Test and learn it. I mean, that's what we say all the time. Try to, you know, to, to take a post and, and, and do that and see what the reaction is. I mean, your consumers are going to tell you pretty quickly whether or not it works for them, either by comments, non-engagement. Um, they're going to <laughs> give you feedback. So all those things will be indicators of whether or not you've stretched it too far. Yeah, I think those are really, really good points. And I would just say back to the point of being consistent and authentic, like you just heard Anne say, it's okay to stretch yourself and to try new things as long as you have a strong brand character that's truly authentic already out there in the marketplace. And there's definitely opportunities for testing and learning as you find your footing and you, you know, kind of start to flex. But what I would say is play it a little bit close to the vest in the beginning Mm -hmm. and be really, really diligent about coming back to those characteristics that you have set forth and making sure that you're thinking hard about whether you're being true to your brand character in the way that you're communicating. Because like Ann said, we have seen far too many fails where you have people, you know, go on Twitter and put something out there that they think is so funny and then it just falls completely flat and they don't understand why or they get, you know, backlash of what is this from this brand? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important and and honestly I I've seen brands kind of want to you know, propel themselves forward. They get impatient. They want to put their message out there everywhere. You know, they want that authentic relationship to be built kind of with a snap of the fingers. But right here, we say that you have to be consistently authentic. And so that means you have to build a proper foundation so that people come to almost know intuitively before they even read what the message is or see the visuals or watch the video or whatever the case might be. They already have a sense of who you are in their mind. And so back to the best friend analogy, I will say the same thing here, right? If your best friend typically dressed in dull, dark colors and, you know, wasn't super into anything outside of athletic wear, let's say, and she shows up in a floral print dress with four inch heels and red lipstick, well, you might think she's having a midlife crisis, but you also (laughs) would be like, 
what the heck is going on, right? And so good or bad, she may look fabulous, but it's just not what you've come to know of that person. And so I think too often what we see happen is on the channels, this type of thing happens too. And it's okay for you to stretch and try new things. And we love testing and learning, like we said, but only once you have that foundation built, are you able to stretch beyond it, right? So again, the people point here, you know, we all like to grow and stretch and we become stagnant. And if we don't do that, brands are a living, breathing, breathing thing. We say that all the time. So not saying don't do it. Just want to make sure that you spend the time needed, just like all the other brand elements we talk about building. You have to build them first before you get overly excited and want to put out, fill in the blank, funny, fun, um, edgy, whatever those types of messages might be. Yeah. And and, and just to uh, build on that, um, it's a commitment, right? So if you're going to put it out there, you better be ready to continually mm-hmm. follow up on it. So if you want to be edgy and that's fine, you better be willing to be edgy all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, um, and like I said, you could dial it up and dial it down on certain channels depending on the context and, and, and how you want to show up on that channel. But you can't be edgy one day and, and not edgy the next day because it's a bait and switch and consumers will all sniff that out. Yeah. And that's where you get that feedback that I just talked about, where they're they're just not sure what to expect from you. And so the worst thing that can happen is they totally opt out. Second worst, they start giving you negative feedback. And, you know, I think either way, it's not going to be a good end result for you if you don't continue to be committed and diligent of coming back to your character. Yep. Agreed. So. All right. So those are our four guidelines for creating a strong brand character. Are you craving a deeper dive immersion into the topics on our podcast? Then you will appreciate our virtual consultancy. Located on the shop page of our website, forthright-people.com, you can now download our digital coaching modules on vigilant leadership, culture building, and social strategy. For the cost of a book, you will get diagnostic tools and exercises to assess your current state and development tools to quickly and intentionally improve your proficiency. These are quick yet effective ways to improve your marketing savvy today. Check it out and let us know other topics you would like us to go deep on. And for all of you listeners out there, you know our next segment is called In the Trenches. And as a reminder, this is where we give real-world examples that may be specific to industries and situations, but have broad application for anybody listening to Digest and put into action for their business today. All right. Number one, what is the biggest mistake you have seen when it comes to brand character. So I already mentioned part of my answer to this question, which is not putting the time in and the diligence and having the patience to really cultivate your brand character. So I'm not going to overly emphasize that again. I think we've covered that. But I think the other thing that we see, interestingly, is not going all in. And so this, we would say, is where people are, are playing it safe, Um, you know, so they might give really bland characteristics and you're like, okay, great, but I wouldn't want to hang out with that person. So I'm not totally sure that that should be your brand character or they follow the path of others in the category and they just kind of mimic in a me too way of like, you know, we, we said Athleta, right? There's plenty of athleisure brands out there that could say, oh, you know, we're for active people and, you know, people that are on the go and all these different things. It's like, well, 
those are table stakes in your category. So sorry about your luck. That's not going to create any kind of personality that people are going to connect with on a human level. So I think the point here is, you know, if you make the commitment to really build a brand across the board, we talk about this, but it becomes even more important and critical when you get to the brand character, because this is the way that you're going to activate for your consumers. And it switches the messaging from being internal out to external in because the people start to attach to you. And like I said, they start to know what to expect from you. And so in that way, you have to be able to think in terms of what is my consumer going to expect from me and how am I going to deliver on that piece? And the other favorite thing that I I hear all the time is, oh, well, we're going to build it, but then we're just going to let it develop on its own. And I'm like, Again, that is not going to work because if you don't define your brand like we've talked about, the same applies for brand character, others are going to do it for you. And so you might have every intention of saying, okay, we're going to be clever and we're going to be articulate and we're going to be fun-loving and we're going to be inclusive, right? Or um, authentically asking people to come into the community. That's fine, but if you're not going to cultivate how all of those things come to life, then people are going to provide their own interpretation of that. So again, who at the end of the day, your positioning, do you want to be for consumers? And how do you want to allow your brand character to come to life in a way that they can connect with? And as always, you know, we have worksheets for this. So we will definitely have one for this topic. But in addition, because we do think that it can be a little tricky, like Anne said, we will have a deep dive on this topic as well. So you'll be able to kind of step through how to create your brand character because we know it can be a little hard to get your head around and know where to start. Yeah, this one's one that I always find a little bit tough and it's, it's kind of tough to decide. And I think that's the biggest mistake I see people make is that it, it becomes a exercise of, uh, of futility for them because mm-hmm. they're like, I just can't, I just can't decide. I'm like, and, and what if I want to change it? And what if I don't know? And so they don't want to put a stake in the ground. And so then their brand starts feeling very diluted because it doesn't have a clear personality or clear spirit by which to live by. So uh, it, it seems highly nuanced. It seems like people shouldn't, you know, need to do it or it, it doesn't feel like it's important to do, but it is so important because right now, and especially in this day and age, like, of decisions are emotionally led. And if you can't really tap into the way that your brand's going to feel for others, you're going to miss on an opportunity to really connect with those consumers. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. All right. Number two, and this is also one we get all the time. Once we have our brand character, how do we put it into practice? So I will say, like we always do, you know, we focused on one thing today. So we focused on how do you build your brand character? What is it? What to think about? All of those types of things. And it really is a big topic. Like Ann said, you know, it's easy to get tripped up. And that's, you know, definitely a reason that we want to make sure that we focus really, really strongly on the brand character piece because it's just one of those foundational brand elements that you got to get right and you got to really build from the ground up. So with that said, once you have your brand character, Again, general statement of your attributes. So, you know, example I'll use here is funny, outgoing, smart, graceful. Okay, those are your four attributes. Like I said, the four things that you really want to be the pillars of your personality for your brand. 
The next thing that comes is what we call tone of voice. And so what this does is it takes those characteristics and formulates the how by which your brand character is going to come to life, meaning it builds the connection point between this is my personality and then this is how I am going to speak. So a, con- a consistent tone is essential for your brand to start to get to that multidimensional personality that we talked about. And it also allows for parameters for flexing your brand character depending on the message or the platform on which you're speaking. So let me just give you an example of this, okay? So I said funny, one of the attributes. So if you are funny, but you are not crass, let's say, that starts to build in the parameters by which to speak, right? So you want to be humorous, but you also said you want to be graceful as one of your other attributes. So crass should never fall into that part of your tone of voice. But if you are communicating, for example, a serious message, then you probably don't want to be funny necessarily. And so you have to learn how to use your other attributes. And not that funny isn't foundational to who you are, but a serious message needs to be communicated with grace, right? That's kind of a a typical thing. And so if you take those four attributes, again, this in this case, we say funny, outgoing, smart, and graceful, the tone of voice starts to say, okay, and then how am I going to be funny? How am I going to be outgoing? How outgoing am I going to be? You know, if I'm smart, what does smart look like? Am I an expert or am I a teacher? You know, how is that going to come to life? And so it starts to give you a filter to bring those to life in a way that's really ownable to your brand versus just putting them at surface level and then allowing it to kind of come to life however, which was the point of my my past statement, right? So you develop the four brand character attributes, you develop your tone of voice, which allows you to have parameters to bring each of them to life, and then finally you have your messaging. And We like to build an entire messaging strategy to make sure, again, this is where you start to get into channels. And so Anne made the reference before of, you know, allowing the channel to take over. This can very well happen if you don't set forth a messaging strategy against your tone of voice and those characteristics. So your messaging is what you're actually going to say when you put something out there. So brand characteristics, foundational personality, tone of voice, lens by which you're going to bring those characteristics to life, and your messaging is what you're going to say within the parameters of your tone of voice. So I said, you know, you're funny, but you're not crass. Okay, so what is the message then? You know, you might want to be a little cheeky, but you can't go so far as to give, you know, something that's going to offend people, for example, even if some people are going to find it funny. And then you have to really make sure, and this is why you put a strategy together, what it's going to mean and be very intentional across all the different channels. So you do want to make sure that you do things that are relevant to the channel, but you don't want it to take over. So that's where your your brand character lives above the channel and the message and all of that. And then it's filtered through the tone of voice to get to a message that people can say, oh, that's exactly what I would expect of that brand. And I also secondarily internalize it as something that's relevant for the channel. Yeah, and let me, um, I'll, I'll take that uh, down a little bit too, because obviously April's the expert here. And so I have to always put it in terms that I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> so the way that you've also explained it to me too is um, it's the type. 
Yeah. Right. So yeah. if you're funny, it's like, what type of funny do you want to be? Yeah. So that really yeah. helps me kind of dimensionalize it in my head. And so I'll give you guys an example. So when I'm um, working on Tide, we did have an element of funny, but our type of funny was we didn't take ourselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. Right. So enters the Tide Pod Challenge, which was, if you guys recall, the <laughs> really huge crisis um, for us where um, people were actually eating the pods in an attempt to win a challenge, okay? So we had multiple different messages on multiple different channels in order to communicate this. So like you said, there was a more serious message because as a brand, you know, we had to put that out there and take responsibility for the fact that, hey, this is happening and you guys should not do this. It's actually really dangerous. That reached a certain segment of consumers, right? We also at the the same time had Rob Gronkowski as, as a brand ambassador, right? He also does not take himself very seriously, right? So he fits really nicely into the brand character. But he also did a video. And his video was very different. His video was like, if I still recall, right, it was like, no, 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 this is not good. Like, And he did it obviously in his way, but it was very entertaining. And it got way more views than anything we've ever created. But again, it was using the brand character in a way was like not taking yourself too seriously, but still communicating a serious message. And doing so in a way that appealed to the consumer set. So this is your way of also being able to flex your brand to appeal to a different consumer set, even if you're trying to communicate the same thing, which is eating Thai pods are bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really great example. And um, I, I think the the piece that I really like about that there is, as you heard Anne say, being able to communicate a serious message when needed. And I think that goes back to the consistently authentic that we talked about. And so... The point that I make with brand character and, you know, and it's easy for me to spout out the infrastructure because I've been doing it for so long and I'm lucky to have Anne who can be like, okay, and this is what April actually means. So there you go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think if you can just always think about communicating in a human way that you would want to be communicated to as a consumer of a brand, that's really, really important. And so in moments where there are serious things like people eating Tide Pods, which still blows my mind, um, you do have to kind of pause, use again your tone of voice filter, but really think about what is the right message to catch people in the right way. And you get a lot of points from a brand perspective when you take on a hard challenge or statement or you have to apologize or all of those types of things. When you can do it in a very authentic way while also using your tone. And I I offer this up as a, a fine point here because I think there have been a lot of examples where people shy away from their brand character when they have to give a hard message and tonally it comes across well sometimes it's tone deaf but also just as something that feels disconnected from the brand and then consumers lose faith and trust and they they feel like they don't have as strong of a connection or value for that brand anymore versus you know using this critical moment to really embrace your tone and your brand character and put forth something out there and in a tough you know emotionally fueled or dangerous even situation with the Tide Pods, it can be hard to pause and really use your brand character, but it's really important more than any other case to make sure that you put the right message out there. So, all right, with that, we'll move on to number three. And Anne, I'm going to hand this to you. 
what can we expect from a strong brand character? Yes, I think based on everything that we've talked about, you guys probably can guess the answer to this, which is really a community of advocates, okay? And this is so critically important because word-of-mouth marketing is really the holy grail of marketing, okay? And so if somebody can relate to you in a way that feels very personable, you stick with them, like, as April said, their best friend. You become top of mind. So when somebody's looking for a recommendation, they automatically think about you. And But they can only do that if they can relate to you in a way that feels personable, that feels human. And we talk about that a lot. You just heard me spout the stat of 90% of decisions are emotional. That is very true. That's not just millennials and Gen Zers, guys. This is like everybody. So I know a lot of times we think about this like emotional stuff being more tied to the younger generation. And yes, they are embracing it a lot. But this is general public. And just in a you guys don't believe it, just think about it. The next time you go and you walk a store and you're looking at something and you decide whether or not you want to buy something, the first feeling you feel is like, do I really want it? And how much do I want it? And then all the other like quantitative things start coming into your mind. So that is like the first interaction you're going to have with the brand is that emotional connection. That's the first thing that's going to spark. And so when people feel that about you, then the um, advocacy follows. And that is so critically important. And then what happens is once you have that efficacy, you're able to then uh, fuel your marketing engine a lot more efficiently because you have all these people who are already talking about you. And then you can learn from them about what are the things that they like. You could start building upon that. You can start actually even um, paying your ambassadors, and they do this a lot through affiliate programs, to actually then work for you in order to push this out even more. So there's lots of ways that you can build that if people can identify with your character and feel connected with you on that basis. Yeah, and I will be the one to use an example here. This actually just happened to me this morning, and I was the one recommending. So um, Anne and I recently had the pleasure of being featured in Venue Magazine, which is mm -hmm. a local magazine here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, when we were going to be doing a photo shoot, we thought, well, let's reach out to the Kinley Hotel, which is a Marriott property, and then the subsequent restaurant, which is named Cora, um, and see if they'll let us do our shoot there. Mm -hmm. And so we got a very enthusiastic message back from um, the, the maitre d' of the restaurant, and he put us in contact with the appropriate person to just kind of check the box and make sure we were following the rules. And they didn't charge us anything. They were so happy to have us. We got there. I mean, they couldn't have been more accommodating. Oh, you want to have a glass of wine in the shot, which you know us. We love to have our glass <laughs> of wine. Um, you know, okay, great. You want to use the restaurant? Fine. Go ahead. Are there any props? Is there anything else we can provide you? You know, we want to make sure that you get everything you need. And I was already a huge, huge fan of this place. I mean, we went, my husband and I, right when it opened, and we thought we were just talking to an employee of the hotel. Turns out it was the head chef of the restaurant, never would have known. Um, and so they just, they really strike a really powerful balance of being welcoming and inclusive while also really cool, I would say. And stylish. And yeah. very, very, very stylish. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that is such an interesting balance to be able to hit because I think what they could end up being is really cold and not inclusive. Elitist. And a little stuffy. elitist. Yeah. 
a little too, you know, I mean, I mean, it's gorgeous in there, but it is very artistic. And the mm-hmm. food that they put out is not really something you expect in Cincinnati, Ohio, quite frankly, but they just hit it right on every single aspect. And so I have become such a huge advocate for them. And um, one of my friends recently moved back from Costa Rica and we are having dinner tonight with another one of our former colleagues and top of mind, right? Where should we go? What's new? I haven't been here, lived here in you know several months. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have to go to Cora. It's amazing. The food is so good. It's such an interesting, cool spot. I mean, I'm just raving, right? And so, and that's not the first time now I get to enjoy and go this time, but I'm also recommending it to other people across the board. And the really interesting part is it's demographics and psychographics really across the board. And so, like I said, I mean, their brand personality is strong, but because they strike the balance of welcoming and inclusive, I never hesitate to recommend literally almost anybody to that restaurant and the hotel. And I think the other important point to, to, to make on that is that everybody lives the brand personality, everybody. right? Mm-hmm. And this is really critically important, too, because a lot of people say, well, you know, as owners of a business, well, I do, but I can't get my employees mm-hmm. to do it, right? That is a big problem because that means you're not setting up the expectations for how you believe your business should show up to folks. Mm-hmm. And if there's inconsistencies, not only in the way that your channels are operating or inconsistencies with the way that your people are mm-hmm. operating – that is going to also be a reflection of the whole brand in general as well. So if we had walked in and three of the four people had been good, I mean, we still would have paused and been like, yeah, it was great and everything. But, you know, that bartender was really, a, a, you know, wasn't very nice. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, <laughs> you got yourself. You're going to say it. Not I was so going to say something, Jack something. But anyway, <laughs> um, yes, I caught myself to keep this a non-explicit um, podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, but and, and just to be just to be clear, he wasn't. Yeah, no, <laughs> he was, no, he was no, lo- no. He was a really, really fantastic person. But um, you know, but if if just one person is not living within your brand character, that becomes a problem and a reflection on the entire business. Yeah, and I'll just say one final thing here, which I think is is so critically important. So Anne and I did our business planning event there the week before we did the shoot. Mm-hmm. And we were super impressed by exactly what I just said, the breadth of people and types of people that were coming in. And I think what she just said about the employees really does counterbalance the um, you know, high-end boutique look of the hotel because the energy started with all those employees. Yeah, absolutely. And they love their job. And it is so evident that they really enjoy what they do. And so they're commingling with all of the guests and making sure everybody's happy, but also communicating through that same welcoming. We're excited to have you. Thank you for coming. You know, all of that came through in spades. And so yeah. I think, again, that's that balance that we've been talking about. Agreed. All right, number four in the trenches. Does a brand's character ever change? Anne? Um, the answer to this question is not really. Your, your fundamental points of your brand are going to stay the same. You're not, like, as we said, one day, you know, um, happy, and the next day you're, like, you know, a little bit like on a on a somber side like your brand character isn't going to shift to the the point that you're opposite okay mm-hmm. now 
the type may shift a little bit. And as we've talked about a lot, it could shift in the context of the environment. It can shift in the context of who you're talking to. It can also shift as the world or the environment around you changes. So for example, if you are a very optimistic brand um, and you always were speaking optimism, you may or you should have probably toned that down during COVID a little bit, right? <laughs> because nobody wants to hear about, you know, an optimistic brand in the point where in time where they're all kind of people are kind of suffering, right? So there are times where you're going to tweak it. There are times you're going to want to flex it. And as your brand grows and matures, you might find that other brand characteristics play a little bit better for you or they play a little bit more effectively for you within a new context. And that's fine. But if you start flipping your brand character, which a lot of people will do in a rebrand, and it's like the biggest mistake you can make, um, you're losing the continuity and the consistency and the authenticity factor that your consumer base has actually grown to appreciate about you. Now, sometimes maybe it might be worthwhile because maybe you may be totally off. And there are cases where that is, you know, that happens where you have to totally change your brand character. A lot of times that happens with personal brands, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times your personal brand needs to totally shift in order to be able to accommodate a new environment or a new consumer or a new job. But as a brand brand, the the brands that have been along the longest, the iconic brands, their brand character has been very consistent year upon year upon year. Like I said, they might um, choose to flex and they might choose to uh, feature a certain brand characteristic in a certain marketing campaign, or maybe they're going to try to go out to the fringes um, for a specific activation. That can happen to stretch, but really, like just as us as people, as we talk about your personal brand and your in your brand characteristics and your personal brand don't change, your brand, once you establish it, those basic characteristics really don't change either. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, it's important to point out a human word that we often use, right, which is you mature. And the same is true of a brand, right? Like people can't believe when I say, oh, I was I was not a stubborn child. I wasn't because I'm a very, very stubborn adult. <laughs> but I, I think what happened there, right, is just like with brands, you come into your own, right? So when you think about who you are as a child, there are indicators, right? And my mom will be like, yes, she was stubborn. What are people talking about, right? <laughs> but it wasn't to the extreme that it is now. And so it was always kind of there. It was part of who I was. But as I grew up as an adult and I matured, that stubbornness became hardheadedness that then I've since had to work on and smooth out in the way that I am in order to be a successful fill-in-the-blank employee, employer, business partner, spouse, all of those types of things. And so we all go through different periods of stretch or maturity or changes or our environment changes. Like Ann said, you, you get a new job, all of those types of things. And so in order to survive, a brand's just like a person. You have to be able to flex and Be still authentic to who you are, but you also have the right to be a little bit of a different interpretation of that. And I think, as we said before, testing and learning is a huge part of everything that we do. And I would say it's the same thing here. So again, Anne's point is right. Your fundamental brand characteristics don't change. They just may morph in the way that they come to life through your tone of voice, depending on Mm -hmm. what phase you're in. Mm Mm-hmm. 
All right. So that is our In the Trenches section. And again, for our listeners, as you know, our third and final segment where it makes sense is a real world brand example of a brand that's doing this well or not so well. And so today we have a brand and we have a brand that we feel like is doing a really good job in the space that they are in. So this is one that I subscribe to. It's called the Grove Collective. And what they are, if you don't know, the collective nature is they bring a lot of brands together, but their mission is all about natural and healthy, whether it's cleaning products, personal care products, um, just home accessories like candles and those types of things. So what they do is they curate a collection of the very best brands that do a nice job of this. And then they also have integrated their own Grove products as part of this. And The thing that I love about them is that they just make the experience so approachable and light and fun. And they're really inclusive from that perspective. So I feel like I've experienced a lot of natural or organic or, you know, fill in the blank brands over the years that are almost they skew judgmental. And what I mean by that is I'm never going to go to the extreme, right? Like I grew up in P&G land here. I am an <laughs> OCD cleanliness person. So I'm sorry. And this will make the Grove cringe. But sometimes I need the bleach. It just is the only thing that's going to get stuff out, right? But I do strive where I can. And there have been situations, especially like having two kids with sensitive skin, where we've had to kind of experiment and try new things. And so whether it's, you know, their shampoo and conditioner or like, oh, shoot, we can't use bleach on the tub that they're in because we've noticed sensitivities with that. Right. There is a really nice experience with the Grove because whether I am consistently being good and ordering that box every single month or I take a break and they don't hear from me from a few months or my box gets smaller, whatever whatever it is, they are just always so happy to have you as part of their group. And that energy just gives relieves any anxiety I have about the category in general and not feeling like I'm good enough, you know, of, of being part of that and not going to the extreme. And they do little things too, like Every single time I get the box, there's a handwritten message. And during COVID, it transitioned to things like, hope your family is happy and healthy, you know, and just, I mean, it's written in black permanent marker. It's nothing super fancy, but it just is consistent with what I've come to expect of them. And so the fact that they are able to do this first as a brand, do it in a space that I, again, consider to be judgmental and you either do it, you're all in or you're all out. And then they're competing with brands like Honest Company and Mrs. Myers and Method. And they just do it in such a lovely way. I mean, lovely is the word that I would use to describe them, that they're able to tackle something of this magnitude and bring in people like me who are not going to be 1,000% committed. And so I appreciate them. Um, I think their branding does a really nice job, too, of communicating the lightness and the airiness and and not being too heavy-handed with their messaging. Their tone of voice is just always spot on. And they use individual people, whether they're, I mean, I don't know, they could not be individual people. I don't know. But like Kathy will reach out to me if they haven't heard to me in a while. And Tom's always the one to thank me, you know. So those aren't the actual names. But in any case, you get the point. So they they really do focus on being very approachable in that way. And so I just thought they were a great example of one that has kind of a, a tough road and a hard task when you think about it, but just does it beautifully. 
Yeah, and I think what you just demonstrated was um, how important the character plays into mm-hmm. the experience mm-hmm. and how that experience then defines a relationship you then have with the brand, yep. right? Because they could play it very differently in, in the fact that their character could be judgmental, but in a way that is like very like hard hitting to a, a certain characteristic or a certain consumer who's very like natural right yeah and they're obviously not doing that they're very accommodating right yes. and they're in they're being flexible in order to accommodate people who are at different stages and and maybe use these products occasionally right mm-hmm. but you're still as important of a consumer to them as the consumers that are like in this and they're ordering every month and they're ordering like the same thing like so i think it's really interesting that you can almost back out who their consumer target is based on the experience you're having is more probably their fringe consumer mm-hmm which is probably the same experience their tor- their core target consumer is having, mm-hmm. but they are very intentional in making sure they extend that across the board to make sure you have the same experience and you want to continue to engage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I will say that if I felt the guilt, if there was any messaging coming through about like, oh, it's been three months, you haven't ordered anything, or if I felt any sort of pressure or anxiety, I would immediately opt out. Yeah. And I haven't done that, like I said, even if I don't do it every month. Because when their message pops up, I don't feel any sense of anxiety. I'm like, oh, what's new? Or what, you know, like, oh, we do kind of need some more of that body wash. Or we're heading into another season and, you know, their oatmeal stuff's really good or whatever that might be. So in any case. All right. So that was our third and final segment, the real world example of the Grove Collective. If you don't know them or haven't used them, please, please check them out. I promise you a lovely experience. And with that, We will tell all of you to go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. Mention you heard about us here, and we will give you a free 30-minute consultation. You can also share any topics you want us to cover, which helps us give real-world support to our listeners in real time. And if you learned something impactful, please share with a friend and don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.